0: Good morning, how's it going? Uh, it's probably inappropriate me for me to laugh at the video. Um, it was a great video, by the way. I'm not laughing at the video itself. I'm laughing at the video because Tori's super excited about the video because he, he made the video, and so he was super pumped about it. So the next time you see him, make sure that you say, oh, that video was the best video that I've ever seen. Don't tell him that I told you that he made it. Just tell him it was the best video that you've ever seen. He was really excited about that. Um, hey, a couple of things. We'll be in Mark Chapter 2 today, so if you want to start looking there, you can also um, use version. so if you have a smartphone, and you have uh, the Bible app, Um, you can just search in the tab section. Um, You can search the well Austin and there will be, there's a couple of polls on there for you to answer some questions today and uh, there's the notes in the scripture that we're using today so you can do that. Um, You can also use this link, uh, this uh, super long link, but if you don't have that that app and you just want to type it into your phone, you can use that link. Um, When Sandra realizes that she needs to put it up there, you can use that link. You can use that link. (laughs) <laughs> so use that link um, also I wanted to point out one other quick thing so um, on the back of your communication card so if you've been coming to the well for a while and you're like hey I want to kind of take my next step I want to get involved more uh, covenant community so that's what we call like membership so we just want to uh, walk you through who we are why we do what we do um, you can sign up for that uh, so just check that on the back of your communication card drop in the offering when it comes by that would be great I'm holding in my hand something that the majority of the people in the room have, oh, I did the same thing last week, another ADD moment uh, for us. One of the cool things that I love about the well is you never know what language scripture is going to be read in. Um, And so uh, every week between 15 and 20% of the people in the room speak a language other than English. And I think I actually sort of fit into that category, though I only speak English. Some of the words that I use are made up. Um, And so I think that I would like to say that that sort of counts. Um, most of you have no idea what this is, uh, because you probably have never used one before. Uh, I said most, I didn't say everybody, but most of you haven't never actually even held one of these in your hand. Like if you, I don't even know if you can buy it. There's a term I didn't even, I hadn't used the term in so long. I wasn't even really sure exactly how to spell it, but that's nothing new because I don't know how to spell many words. But like, if you just did a, a, a search, like where in Austin can you buy an atlas? Like some of you don't even know what that word is. Um, like it's hard it's a hard thing to buy and it's hard thing to do so it's um so this is just a simple actual paper map and back in the olden days when I used to 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 be a kid um if we were going to go somewhere we I don't even know uh, is yeah we would have to buy one of these or you had a book and you would like pick out where you were going to go and you would and then you would map out your destination okay and then one of the things that was interesting is so then if if you had somebody who was driving, and then you had a navigator. And it always seems to be, in my case, when I'm driving, the person who's navigating doesn't actually know how to read a map. And so it doesn't really help if you have a map if you don't know how to read it. And so then the question becomes, for you and I, just on a practical level, if if you're going to go somewhere, how do you get there? Like, do you actually use a map or do you use GPS? And I know the answer to that. Like, nobody, very few people, I don't even... The only reason I have this particular map is because I actually have this map hanging up in my house is the only reason why I have this map. And you, now you think that that just makes me weird. But um, but when you're gonna go somewhere, how do you use it, like well, how do you get there? And so it's important that you kind of know where you're going and then the question becomes how you're gonna get there. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. So if you come to the well frequently, um, this is specifically for you. If you're new today to the well, it's also helpful for you to kind of understand where we, who we are and where we're going and stuff like that. And so we're just gonna talk about some of those mappy kind of things. See, that's a made up word, mappy, that's not a real word. We're going to talk about some mappy kinds of things. And so we're going to first talk about where we're going to go. And so we're just going to put this up. Where are we going? And if you've ever looked at the website, you can see this on the website. And it's typically called a mission statement. So, um, and most churches have something similar, but ours simply says to make much of Jesus by reproducing disciples who impact the world for the glory of God. That's where we're going. Then the follow-up question should be made. So if that's where we're going, then the question becomes how are we going to get there? Like it's okay to know this is where we're going like that's something that's important but then the follow-up question is how are you how are you going to get there and so I want to walk us through three words that'll kind of help you see how we're going to get there or how we're going to accomplish that or what we're going to do to do that and the first one and we're not going to talk very long about uh the first two we're actually going to start with the third one and we're going to talk about the third one for the next three weeks but the first one is simply just to exalt so um lifting up high the name of Jesus personally and collectively, so, so we're gonna teach people, and we're gonna do it personally, we're gonna, gonna worship and lift up the name of Jesus personally and together corporately, so that was the, that's the first one, exalt. The second one is disciple, and um, we actually have a tad bit different, different definition of what this looks like, and so um, basically what we're gonna do is we're gonna teach people, number one, to be a follower of Jesus, but then how do you actually then teach other people to be a follower of Jesus. And so um, I brought, we've used this a couple times and I just want to revisit it quickly again. So if we can put up the big, the, the diagram. Yeah, yeah, So I think our definition of d- discipleship, we combine two pieces. Like most people separate two things. They separate discipleship and evangelism and they make them two separate things. And we think that they kind of go together. Like they're, they're not mutually exclusive, that they go together. And so when you think about the word discipleship and discipleship, being a disciple in terms of how we're gonna get where we're going, it simply looks like this. So. We all have this spiritual journey that we're on, and so the question then becomes, where are you at in your spiritual journey? So some of you today, maybe you're at a negative seven, and you're like, I'm not really sure about this whole Jesus thing. I'm just here because somebody made me come today, and I didn't really wanna be here, but there was free food in it, so I showed up. Or I got major doubts, but I'm just just trying to work on that. And maybe through the course of coming a couple times or you go to a small group, you move from a negative seven to a negative six. That actually is discipleship. Okay, Um, you're not you not have have yet not said yes to Jesus, but you're making progress in that. And so discipleship is is partly evangelism, but then it's partly growing in your relationship with God. And so the zero simply represents like at some point you're like, okay, I don't understand everything, but I'm going to say yes to Jesus, and I want Him to forgive my sin, and then you start the process of of moving in the positive direction. And so when we talk about the word disciple. What does it look like? It talks about you personally moving towards God, and then you also helping other people move toward God, okay? So then the third word uh, that we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about this over the next three weeks, is sinned. And um, it's kind of a weird word, and you're like, well, what do you mean sinned? That's kind of weird. That doesn't even really fit. So basically, it's this. We think that as a church, it's our responsibility to take Jesus to the world. And so that encompasses more than a mission trip, though those are good things, those aren't bad things, but it encompasses, and we're gonna talk about it uh, over the next three weeks, it encompasses to love people where you play, where you live, and where you work okay? And so it's more than just going on a trip. It's more than just going to a class. It's about loving the people where you already are doing things. And so uh, over the next three weeks, that's what we're going to talk about, is we're going to simply talk about how, do we, how, how are we sent? How can we become a sent people? And that's what we're going to talk about. And um, the church, specifically the well, does not exist for you and for me, it exists for the world, and we are the church, and we take the church to the world, and so that's what we're going to talk about, Mark chapter 2, and let's, let me just give you a quick background of, of the whole, cha- well, most of the chapter, so what's going on at one part in the chapter of Mark chapter 2, um, Jesus starts talking to this guy who is not well-liked in his community. He's a tax collector and and nobody really likes him. Most people um, shun him and talk bad about him and call him bad names. And Jesus says, hey, would you be interested in in coming and following me? Would you be interested in in living the way that I say that you should live? And he was like, yeah, tell me more. And so ultimately he says, yes, I wanna follow you, Jesus. And then they have a party, okay? And so this guy, uh, Levi, throws a party and he invites some of his not-so-nice friends, and they have this party, and Jesus is hanging out at this party with these people who, in the community, most people think that they're bad people. And if we were to use the, the like the religious churchy terminology, they would be like, Jesus is having a party with the sinners. Like that's, and you would have to like you might got to say it lower and you got to say it longer. Like like if you're a church, a churchy person, you say the word lower and longer. They're sinners, and then it makes it more powerful. And so. So Jesus is hanging out with them, and the religious people, the church people of the day, are like, why is Jesus hanging out with these people? He should not be hanging out with these people. What is he doing? This is inappropriate behavior uh, for the Messiah to be hanging out with these people. I, this is not good. If he really is the Messiah, he shouldn't be hanging out with these people. And then uh, in Mark chapter 2, verse 17 is, I, I think, very profound. Um, and I would hope that for some of you that this verse would, would challenge you. That it would move you, that it would make you uncomfortable. Mark chapter 2, verse 17. And when Jesus heard it, them saying, Why are you hanging out with these people? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. He's like, you guys can make fun of me all you want. You guys can say bad things about me all you want. I didn't come for the people that already think that they're great. I came for the people that have problems. That's why I'm hanging out with these people because I want to show them that there's a different way, a better way for them to live. And so he's hanging out with those people. So then the question becomes for you and me, the challenging part of the question is, who is it that we hang out with? Who do we, who do we spend time with? Where do we go? What do we do when we're there? Um, and I, so I think that's an unchall- a challenging question. So we're going to now go back up Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Um, it got to be in my top five stories in all the Bible. Uh, maybe, I don't know where I'd put it on this. Super cool story, Mark chapter two, starting in verse one. it says, when he had returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. How many of you have ever been to uh, like one of the house shows here in Austin? Like you go to some random house and there's a band set up in the living room and you watch that band. How many of you have ever done that? Oh, I'm really sad. Are you serious? There's only four people in the room? Okay, we're gonna have to take a time out. You need to go do this. We live in Austin, freaking Texas. And you have not been to a house show before? Are you serious? Are you just messing with me? So, you go to a house where people live and there's a band in the living room. And they start playing. You're shaking your head, yes, like you've been, but I asked you to raise your hand and you, oh, you did raise your hand, okay, sorry, I apologize. I was getting, I was like getting mad at you because you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so you raise your hand, it's safe. I, everybody, I won't call out any more people. There's a band playing. And people just cram into this house and it's really uncomfortable and it's hot and they open up the windows and you kind of like look in or whatever and you just hang out and you watch this band play in this house, okay? And it's really crowded. It's kind of like this at this party, okay? Except Jesus is the band, Okay, so Jesus is teaching, and all these people are crammed into this house. People are hanging out the windows. Like if you wanted to go, you can't get in. There's so many people. Okay, so that's what's going on. So, what I thought was a great illustration ended up being a really crummy illustration, but you, I think you see the point. So, all these people are coming to hear Jesus, and it says, and he was preaching the word to them. So, tons of people. Verse 3 And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. So, there's this guy. Uh, we don't know how he got paralyzed, but he, he's got some friends and, and they're carrying him to the house show. Okay, So they're carrying this guy to go see Jesus. They get to the house and they can't get in. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had an opening, they let down the bed, so, uh, the bed on which the paralytic lay. So they couldn't get in. Like, we got to figure out a way to do this. this. This Jesus guy apparently is really good, and we want to hear him. So they climb up on the roof. They cut a hole in the roof so that they get their friend in to see Jesus. Okay? They, they, this, is, this is a hot ticket, and, you, and they want their friend to see Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the p- paralytic, son, your, fr- your sins are forgiven. Later, he ends up healing him, but he deals with his spiritual need first. Super, super powerful story, which leads us to something interesting. I wanna talk a little bit about us as a church. You, if you've said yes to Jesus as a follower of Jesus, um, I like this terminology. This may make you uncomfortable, but I'm okay with that. I like the terminology. I will do whatever it takes as long as it's not immoral or illegal to help people find Jesus. And I'm okay with it even if it's a little bit illegal. Okay? Do you see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Like, we'll do whatever it takes. Individually and as a church, we'll do whatever it takes to help people see, find Jesus, as long as it's not immoral or illegal, and maybe if it's a little bit illegal, we'll still do it. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's, a, it's an important thing. And so the question then becomes like, how do you personally, how are you doing, in this, doing with this in your life? And I want us to like evaluate this. So if you have the app, there's a question for you to answer. If you don't have the app, I want you to get your uh, communication card and I want you to turn it over on the back and we're gonna rate ourselves, okay? So um, we're gonna rate ourselves. I'm about to give you a, a number scale, it has nothing to do with the numbers that we talked about earlier. So, Don't confuse them. So from 1 to 10, how well are you doing that? From 1 to 10, how well are you introducing people to Jesus? Don't write a number yet because I'm about to tell you where you are. 1 to 10, how well are you doing that, pointing people to Jesus? Nobody in the room is a 10, okay? Uh, I'm making an assumption that uh, Billy Graham didn't show up here today, so we're just going to assume that nobody's a 10, okay? Okay. But if you are like from six to nine, this is what your life looks like. You've recently um, led somebody to Jesus. You pray specifically by name for people that you know that don't know Jesus. You've brought somebody with you maybe to, to church or to your small group. Like those are the things that you typically do. Okay, so if you're six to nine, those are some of the things that you do. So if you're in that category, so here's on the back of your card in the prayer section, what I want you to do is write whatever number you think you are and circle it for me. Okay, if you're on the lower side, so like one to five, you haven't recently led somebody to Jesus or maybe you're even really uncomfortable with the question because you realize I'm not sure that I've ever actually done that before ever. You don't pray for friends that you have that don't know Jesus. Like you, you pray for people and you do the regular prayer, you're like, Oh, Jesus help my friends that don't know Jesus. You do those kinds of prayers, but you don't pray specifically for people. You haven't invited anybody recently to your small group or to out to dinner to have a spiritual conversation. And Let's just be really, like, I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty. I just want to be honest. Let's evaluate where we're at. It's okay. I'm not trying to guilt you. I just want us to be serious about evaluation. So if that kind of describes you, then you would be like one to five. So just on the back of your communication card, and I know that that makes you uncomfortable. It's okay. Because I'm going to see these. I just want to know where you're at. So don't, what I'm asking you to do is actually put your name on the front. I know what some of you are, te- okay, I'll evaluate myself, but then I won't put my name on there. No, I want you to put your name on there. Like I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to, it's no big deal. I just want to know, I want us to evaluate where we're at. Okay, so where are you? I think it's an important thing to discover. <clears throat> so it brings up two big thoughts for us, right? Two big thoughts that I want you to, to really think about today. Number one, God calls us to bear some burdens. God calls us to bear burdens some burdens. So in verse 3, we looked at it, uh, but I want us to look at it again in verse 3. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Like, it probably wasn't easy for them. Like, I don't know how much the dude weighed, but apparently he weighed enough that four guys had to carry him, right? So, so it was, he was fairly heavy. I don't know how much he weighed, but he's fairly heavy. Um, so, so he's carri- they're carrying him, and They get there and there's tons of people there. And I think what that's teaching you and me is that there are times in our life that we're gonna have to love the people around us and that means that life's gonna get a little bit messy and we're gonna have to help people carry some of their burdens, right? Help people because you love them, you help them carry some of their burdens. So basically that means like when you're at work and you're hanging out with somebody at work, and they begin to share a struggle that they have, you help them. You don't, at that point, take your break so that you don't have to listen to their story. Your neighbor, the one that really gets on your nerves because they always have a party, they just broke up with their girlfriend, and now you get a chance to share with them. The buddies that you play soccer with or that you play basketball with is going through a difficult time, and you get a chance to help them carry some of their burdens because you love them. These guys carried their friend and they get there. And here's another interesting thing about the the particular story. This is just me, Bob, reading into the story. Um, It doesn't say anything about this. I just find it interesting. So all these people, they're in the house show listening to Jesus teach and they're loving it. Like they're taking notes. They're probably like, ooh, I gotta, I gotta tweet this out. That was a really good saying that he said. Like, you know, I gotta put this on Instagram. Jesus is teaching in the house and it's awesome. Like they're, they're into it. And these four guys show up with their friend and they can't even catch a glimpse of Jesus because everybody's there. This is just Bob, okay? For whatever it's worth. How many of those other people that were there hearing Jesus even knew that the four guys with their paralyzed buddy was there? I think most of them didn't because their backs were to the guys that were trying to get to Jesus. Like, they were loving on Jesus. They were were listening to what he had to say, and this is just me, Bob, giving you an analogy. It would be sort of like we come to church and we sing our songs that we really like and we listen to... Tori do his raps and it's awesome or whatever the case may be and somebody brings their friend and all they see is our backs because we're really focused on us and we don't love the person that just walked in the door that we really needed to love. I think that God calls us to carry people's burdens because we love them not out of guilt, not out of obligation, not because we think that that makes us spiritual, but because we love them, we carry people's burdens. And then the next thing that it kind of helps us figure out is God calls us to do things that others aren't willing to do. So in verse 4, it says, And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which their buddy laid. Two things. Number one, they found a way. They they were willing to do something that nobody else probably was willing to do. They climb up on the roof just so that you and I are completely clear about the roof. Okay? About the roof It was like made with mud and like hay and straw. And you know what else was in there? Manure. And so they probably didn't show up with shovels. I'm just guessing. Like they probably didn't think that they were going to have to dig through the roof to get in to see Jesus. They thought they were going to at least be able to peek in the window. They don't have a shovel. They get up on the roof and they've got to start digging through the mud and the manure so that they can make a hole so that they can begin to see Jesus. And they begin to let him down. And, and I, I think one of the reasons why this is just the, well, the way that my silly mind works. One of the reasons why they were completely cool with the whole thing was because it didn't really matter. Like if they accidentally dropped him through the hole, well, it, it wasn't like they were going to re-paralyze him. So it wasn't that big of a deal. Right? <laughs> it wasn't that big of a deal. So they dig a hole and, uh, and they begin to let him down. And they, uh, oops, sorry, I don't know what happened. But, but they, they desperately wanted their friend to see Jesus. And they were willing to do stuff that nobody else was willing to do. And I think what that says to me and what that says to you is that sometimes you and I have to dig through some, sh- some stuff in order to help people find Jesus. We have to do some things that people aren't willing to do. So here's what we're going to do for the next few minutes. We're going to kind of change gears just a tad. Um, how are we going to love people where we play? Sandra? Sandra? Hurry up here, please. Um, I, it's one thing for me to tell you a story. It's completely different for you to hear from somebody else's perspective, right? Because you kind of expect me to say things because Bob, he's, he's a pastor, so he says those kinds of things. Um, Sandra, are you a pastor? Oh, you got to turn this way so they can see you. Not, not yet. Okay. <laughs> it's just, I didn't think through this very clearly. It just feels, it just feels weird. I should have brought his stool. Um, Oh, I was just kidding, actually. But now, how, what are we gonna? I need another chair. Okay, thank you. So, tell me a little bit about. So, you are in this bicycle class, right?
1: It's spinning, spin class. It's a close, like
0: spinning it's, it's class. Kind of like a bike. Okay, so I have no idea. I've never been to spinning class. So, what do you do? Like, what is it?
1: Uh, you sit on a like
0: bike style. So it is a bicycle class. Uh, yes. Okay.
1: Yes.
0: And you do what? You sit you, there? You sit there
1: and you have different resistance and you ha- it's an hour long class so you just pedal for an
0: hour. Okay. And would you say that this is f- sometimes fun? No. It's never fun? It's
1: never. Oh, no.
0: Okay. So why do you, why do, you do it? But it's something that you do on a, reg- a semi-regular basis. Three times a week. You oh, my. It. Uh, so you do it on a very regular basis, three times a week. So you go there, and is it just, so I take it that it's not just you in a room by yourself? No. So what, describe the room for us.
1: Uh, there's like 50 bikes.
0: 50 or 15?
1: 50. And there's, well, 51 with the cycling instructor at the front, okay. facing us. Okay, okay. And there's two projectors. Sometimes we don't do it for my class because it's 5.30 a.m., and so they don't want us to fall asleep. But they yeah. roll down projectors, okay. and they'll play, um, like, mountain scenes. So it mm-hmm. looks like you're biking through the mountains. Okay. But they don't do it for us. They just play a lot of music.
0: Okay. And so from what I understand, I don't know actually know the whole story, but from what I understand, you started developing a relationship with somebody in the class. Yes, tell the instructor. Us the instructor. Yes, so tell, how'd that go? Like, how did you do that, and what was the deal?
1: Um, so we, Eric, I go with Eric.
0: So we want to give credit to Eric. He actually also gets up at 5.30 in the morning. Okay? Okay, so what happens? So Eric and I, we talked
1: to him one time, and we – so we did the cycle class, and then after that, it's before work, so we usually have breakfast there. And Romel comes in with his wife, Melanie, who also works at Lifetime. Um, she – oh, sorry, he and I were uh, – we oh, oh,
0: so you go before 5.30 on purpose, or is it after? You said you went for breakfast before?
1: No, 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 after. After.
0: Oh, I thought you were like going before 530. Okay, anyways, carry on.
1: No, 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 So we were talking once and we were making jokes and then one time I said something, oh, I think I said something to Eric and then I was like, I'm so sorry, I'm going to turn my life around, I'm going to start going to church and then just like playing around and Romel was like, oh no, don't, don't talk to me about church. And then eventually, as we were having breakfast um, more and more, we were kind of just like, oh, yeah, we go to the well. And he was like, okay, yeah, maybe I'll come by someday. And then it was right before Easter, and we were like, you can't not go to church on Easter, right now. <laughs> so he
0: came. So what was, the, <laughs> what was the length of time between you first met him until he finally came? So for about three months, you invested in a relationship, somewhat out of necessity, I'm thinking. I'm guessing because you wanted to be nice to him, hoping that he would be easier on you in class was yeah. probably the reason. But right. It almost made it worse. <coughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so you developed a relationship with him. And prior to Easter, had you invited him to come before? Yeah. And what happened?
1: Uh, he usually, well, he's a, he was training for an Ironman triathlon. So he used Sundays to do
0: like a fifty-mile bike ride. <laughs> okay. It was intense, but okay. He shortened his ride for Easter. He only did like twenty-five. Interesting. Okay. So the the thing that I want you to know is this: Sandra and Eric took something that they that was a regular part of their life, and they invested in a relationship. And through investing in a relationship even got turned down multiple times of, hey, would you go to church with me? But eventually they came. Now, I don't know what the outcome of this, like it's an ongoing story. So I don't know what the outcome of the story is. The thing that I want you to understand is that you already do things now with people. Invest and love the people that you do things with. So if you play basketball, if you play soccer, if you ride a bike, whatever it is that you do, use the things that you do to love people carry their burdens, and then do whatever you can, whether it's, as long as it's not immoral or illegal, to begin to show them who Jesus is. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, use what you already do. So, um, thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. I think it's a big deal. Like, I don't think we always think about what do we already have in our life that we can do? What do we already have in our life that we can use to invest and in, in love on people? So I want to do something that I, I know we shouldn't do because of low attention spans. I hate it when people read to me because I never pay attention but I came across something that was so incredibly powerful that we need to read it. And I know that you get tired of hearing me, so Mai, come up here. Mai's gonna actually read something for us. It'll be on the screen so that you can follow along. Um, She's gonna read this for us. And what I want you to do is pay attention. This is an incredibly powerful story. I want you to listen to what she says. It's follow along on the screen, and I'm warning you, it's long. But if you don't pay attention, you're gonna miss the point, okay? So pay attention.
2: Cool. So, here goes. I stand by the door. I neither go too far in nor stay too far out. The door is the most important door in the world. It is the door through which men walk when they find God. There is no use in my going way inside, staying there, when so many are still outside, and they, as much as I, crave to know where this door is. The, and all that so many ever find is only the wall wall where the door ought to be. They creep along the wall like blind men with outstretched groping hands, feeling for a door, knowing there must be a door, yet they never find it, so I stand by the door. The most tremendous thing in the world is for the people to find that door, the door to God. The most important thing that anyone can do is to take hold of one of those blind, groping hands, put it on the latch, the latch that only clicks and opens when that person's touched. The people die outside the door as starving beggars die. On cold nights in cruel cities in the dead of winter, die for want of what is within their grasp, Others live on the other side of it, live because they have found it and open it and walk in and find him. So I stand by the door. Go in, great saints. Go all the way in. Go way down into the cavernous cellars, way up into the spacious attics. It is vast and roomy house, this house where God is go into the deepest of hidden castments, of withdrawal, of silence, of sainthood. Some must inhabit those inner rooms and know the depths and heights of God and call outside to the rest of us how wonderful it is. Sometimes I take a deeper look in, sometimes venture in a little farther, but my place seems closer to the opening. There is another reason why I stand there. Some people get part way in and become afraid, lest God and the zeal of his house devour them. For God is so very great and asks all of us. And these people feel a cosmic claustrophobia and want to get out. Let me out, they cry, and the people way inside only terrify them more. Somebody must be by the door to tell them that, that they are spoiled. For the old life, they have seen too much. One taste of God and nothing but God will do anymore. Somebody must be watching for the frightened who seek to sneak out just when they came in to tell uh, tell them how much better it is inside. The people too far in do not see how near these are, are to leaving. Preoccupied with the wonder of it all, somebody must watch for those who have entered the door but would like to run away. So for them too, I stand by the door. I admire the people who go way in, but I wish they would not forget how it was before they got in. Then they would be able to help the people who have not yet even found the door or the people who want to run away again from God. You can go in too deeply and stay in too long and forget the people outside the door." As for me, I shall take my old accustomed place near enough to God to hear him and know he is there, but not so far from men as, to, as not to hear them, and remember, they are there too. Where? Outside the door. Thousands of them, millions of them, but more important for me, one of them, two of them, ten of them, whose hands I am intended to put on the latch, so I shall stand by the door and wait for those who seek it. I had rather be a doorkeeper, so I stand by the door.
0: So, are we as a church going to help people find the door? Or are we going to be the people at the house show with our backs turned to the people who are trying to get in? God wants to send you to the places where you live, where you work, and where you play, to love people, to help carry their burdens, and to show them the door. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. I pray that you would convict us I pray that we would never turn our backs on the people that are trying to find the door. I pray that we would exalt you. I pray that we would be a disciple and help disciple others. But today, specifically as we focus on the send piece, God, I pray that you would send us that you would send us out to the places where we already live, where we already work, where we already play. God, I pray that you would compel us to love the people that are near us. I pray that you would compel us to carry the burdens of the people that are near us. God, I pray that you would compel us to begin to dig into the manure of the people's lives around us so that we might get a chance to point them to you. Convict us and change us and make us more like you. As we continue to pray this morning, maybe you came in not even really realizing that there was a door. I just want to ask you for a moment. Jesus is seeking after you. And he simply asks you to say yes to him. And he says that it doesn't matter where you've been and it doesn't matter what you've done. He loves you and that he sacrificed his life on the cross for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And maybe you would just pray a simple prayer. Jesus, thank you for dying on my behalf. Please forgive me and make me more like you. God, for those of us that have already said yes to you, I pray that you would teach us how to love you more so that in turn we might love the people around us with the love that only comes from you. You are a righteous and holy God. And I pray that we would not be selfish with your grace. In your name we pray, amen.